you have your Bibles, open up to Matthew 16. Matthew 16. church. We're much more comfortable serving at church. We're much more comfortable giving to church. 
But to be to be the church, which requires relationship, which requires being around other imperfectly saved by grace, redeemed people, ooh, that that's a, that that can be real uncomfortable real quick. But just because it's uncomfortable, and just because it doesn't feel good initially, doesn't mean it's not truth. Doesn't mean it's not what God intended. And isn't that kind of a challenge with many of us in our walk? We, we start maybe with, with the best of intentions, but when God shows us something in his word that's not comfortable, that is actually maybe convicting or painful for us, if we tend to be feelings and circumstance driven, our initial reaction is to run. Ah, he didn't really mean that. Right? We deflect it, we deny it, we, we avoid that particular verse. And we're going to see that that can happen not just in our walk, but as a church. And if we're going to be a biblical church moving forward together as a church family, we've got to be committed, as, as Bill said, conviction. We have to be we have to have some convictions about some things. And, and here's my challenge. Here's my challenge to the long-term church that are sitting here today, even for me. Don't check out. Oh, we're going to be talking about church for the summer. We don't need to go. I know all about that. I know all about that. And, and, and there's, a, there's, there's it's the flesh and there's a tendency, you know, been there, done that. You know, I've been in youth ministry, and then, you know, you, you, you get the freshmen who it's all brand new, and the sophomores, it's all brand new, but by the time they're juniors and seniors, ah, yeah, I've been there, done that. I know all the youth pastors' jokes. I know all the, I've been to Hume Lake since I was in elementary school, you know, telling me something I don't know. At the adult level, it's very tempting to do the same thing. If I say we're going to look at the biblical uh, teachings on the church, <sighs> we go already. What more is there? Right? And then you can you can check out. And here's the problem with that. A, it affects your relationship with God. B, it affects your relationship with everyone here. C, it affects the testimony of the church in this valley. There are implications. Deep, profound implications if we do not stay true to God's plan for his church. Because it is his church. And so we're, we, we can never stray too far from the fundamentals, from the basics of the faith. Sometimes we get into this, you know, been in church for a long time. Oh, we've got to go deeper. We've got to go deeper. Tell me something new. Tell me something new. You know, what's the latest? What's, what's the latest? You know what? There really isn't the latest, greatest new thing. It's, it's the fundamentals. It's the basics that God wants us to get down. It's the basics that God uses to transform us. And as I was thinking about that in relation to the church... I came across this article, uh, and it's about a guy named Vince Lombardi. If, you know, if you're a football fan, Vince Lombardi was one of the most famous, most successful coaches, right? And it says this, it was July of 1961, and the 38 members of the Green Bay Packers football team were gathered together for the first day of training camp. The previous season had ended with a heartbreaking defeat when the Packers squandered a lead late in the fourth quarter and lost the NFL championship to the Philadelphia Eagles. Okay, so they lost it, heartbreaking. So if you're an athlete, you're mulling that over all offseason. Come training camp, you're ready to go. You're just ready to go. You're fired up. Let's make that right, right? You're, they're all fired up. They're ready to go. 
ready to, to make that defeat into victory this time around, right? So they're all excited. 30 players have gathered, right? right? I love this because Vince Lombardi had a different approach than what his team, these are Pro Bowl players, Pro Bowl players, top of the game, NFL players, right? So in this book by David Moranis, he says this, this is what happened when Vince Lombardi walked into summer camp in 1961. He took nothing for granted. He began a tradition of starting from scratch, assuming that the players were blank slates who carried over no knowledge from the year before. He began with the most element statement of all. Gentlemen, he said, this is a football. <laughs> now mind you, these are football players. They had just been at the championship game. They're all fired up for the new season, ready to build upon where they were. And he says, no, square one. This is a square one. This is a football. And he caught grief from the players. You know, they would joke with them, hey, coach, slow down, because he went over basic blocking drills, basic tackling drills, probably stuff these guys have learned from Pop Warner in high school and Ohio Eagles, right? And, he, and, and in the summer, he's training these NFL caliber players in the basics, and he starts with this, is a football, right? And I love this. He says, here's his heart. He says, his team would become the best in the league at the tasks everyone else took for granted. His team would become the best in the league at the tasks everyone else took for granted. I love that because I would love us to excel at being the church. Because there's a whole lot of people who take being the church for granted. Honestly, they, they, they really consider it basic. It's beyond us. Can we just move on? And, and this, this, this summer, we're going to look at the basics of what God intends his church to be. Right? And, and here's the thing. Here's the thing. It might be challenging for some, like those NFL players, who want to move on. Who told Coach Lombardi, ah, Coach, this is, this, is, this is fundamental. This is boring. I know how to do this in my sleep. Why are we doing this over and over, Coach? What's the point? And, and, and it was a challenge for Vince Lombardi because he had to weather that. He had to weather the pushback from these NFL players who just didn't like sticking with the basics. And sometimes when it comes to the church and we say we're going to focus on the basics, that's a lot harder to stay disciplined and focused. Because, because we, we, we kind of like feel like sometimes we're past it. And so we're going to look at, look at the church very slowly. We're going to look at it in ways, even today, that, that, might, that might go, oh man, I never looked at it that way. I never, I never saw the church that way as a, relational, as a relational entity versus a place that I just go to once or twice or three times a week, right? Ty, can you, um, we've got a lot of people, Danny, can we turn the, turn the temperature?
All right, so Matthew 16, right? Matthew 16, let's look at this story of Jesus' interaction where he, where he has a conversation with his disciples, and particularly Jesus, I mean Peter, Jesus and Peter, right? Matthew 16, starting in verse 13, right? Look what it says here. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Right? Verse uh, 17, uh, 16, again, verse 16 through 18. Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Right? So last week, Bill spoke through scripture about convictions, having convictions. And so right away, Jesus tells us, right? He says, on this rock I will build my church. And, and, and just to kind of get to the point, the rock is, Jesus, is Peter's statement. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. It's a conviction. So the church, Jesus tells us right after, the church is built upon a conviction. The conviction that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One. He's God. That's the, the phrase, Son of the living God, refers to Jesus' deity. Okay. So right off the bat, coming off of Bill's teaching last Sunday about conviction, Jesus says, hey, you're right, Peter. My father showed you that. And by the way, let me just explain now. Let's talk about the church. The church is built upon, founded upon that conviction. That conviction. That right there, for many of us, can just be a reminder. It might be new. Because we tend to look at the church as an organization built upon a pastor, or built upon a leadership team, or built upon a ministry, or built upon a location, or built upon... The church, according to Jesus, is built upon the conviction that he is the Christ, the Son of the living God. I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Okay? So, we begin our study of the church, understanding from Jesus' own words, that the church is built upon the conviction of who he is. So the church is built on Jesus. Church is built on Jesus, right? Why is that important? Why does that matter to me and to you? Okay? Because of this. According to Scripture, when you became a believer, when you put your faith in Jesus, when you were born again, according to Scripture, when, when you trusted Christ for salvation alone, right? According to Scripture, there are some incredible, fabulous, supernatural truths that are applicable to you immediately. Okay? Are you ready for some? Are you ready for some good news? All right? 
So, so first, first bit of good news. When you became a believer, when you, when you became a Christian, right? A follower of Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, you're a new creation. Amen? You're a new creation. That means when it says new, something that never existed before. Right? So turn to the person next to you and say, you're a new creation. You're a believer. You're a new creation. Is that an amen moment? Amen. Hey, right? First Corinthians six nineteen and twenty says, "When you are a believer, you become the temple of the Holy Spirit." The third person of the Trinity, I know, kind of cray cray. The third person of the Trinity indwells you. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit, according to First Corinthians six nineteen and twenty. Is that an amen? amen. Okay. Second Peter one three says this: "You have been given everything you need for life and God." The Bible says, as a believer, you have been given everything you need. I have been given everything I need for life and godliness. Second Peter 1, 3. Amen? We have everything we need. We have everything we need. Ephesians 2, 19 and 20 says this. When you put your faith in Christ, when you become a believer, here's the crazy thing. You are placed into the family of God. The household of God. I love this. You don't have to turn there. It says this. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. Amen? Right? And then 1 Corinthians 12, 12 and 13, when you become a believer, those verses tell us you have been placed into the body of Christ, what we call the church. Right? So here's the thing, and you've heard me say it before. As a believer, as Christians, you're already on the team. You're already in the church. You're a member of the church. Positionally, you are placed into the church. You're in. And it, it even that truth, right? Because a lot of us are looking for acceptance. A lot of us are, are looking for belonging. A lot of us want to prove that we should make the team, right? If you ever tried out for a, a team, a dance team, something at school, and you had to audition, or you had to do the tryout, and you went through that whole anxiety, did I make the cut? Am I good enough? The wonderful truth about the gospel is when you put your faith in Christ, you're on the team. Amen? Amen. And here's the thing. He doesn't have a JV. You're on the A-team. Because there's only one team. His team. It's called the church. So you're already in. So if, if the church is built on this conviction of who Jesus is, if all these truths positionally are true about you immediately, if you're a believer here right now, you're in the church. And in fact, you are the church. You are the church. And again, I grew up as, as uh, young, all the way up going to church. And, and it never resonated with me all the way to my college years. I used to just go to church and I would, I would do what I needed to do at church. But once I left church, once, once it was over, I went back to my life. Biblically, we are the church 24-7, 365. 
You are the church. Now, we go to church. We meet here. There's nothing wrong with saying that. We go to a place where the church meets. And in our culture, we call that church. But it's very important that, that we all understand we are the church. We never stop being the church. Now, service will end, and we're going to dismiss, and we're going to go wherever we're going to go for the rest of the day, but we never stop being the church. Very important. And I know it's basic, and I know you're like, okay, yeah. But how profound would that be for you and for me if wherever you're going to have lunch today, you're sitting there, and you're like, oh, we're still the church. Right? You might have a conversation with the waitress or some friends. You're like, hey, where'd you just come from? Oh, we came from church. But we're still the church. We're just having we're just having church at Cafe Emporium. We're just having church at Taco Bell. We're just having church at the beach. Because we are always the church. Right? It's an an incredible and very challenging truth because there's this nature in me still and, 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 you know, it's called sanctification, transformation. We spent an entire year last year looking at Romans 12, 1 and 2 and this idea where, where, where the Lord says, be transformed and that transformation is metamorphosis, right, from a, the, the word picture was a caterpillar to a, a butterfly, right? And I always have that slide. You can put up this slide. Many of you saw it for a year, right? And in Romans 12, when he says, be transformed, it's the word metamorphosis, right? And he says, hey, as a believer, there's a bigger goal than just being the best caterpillar you can be. He says, no, be transformed into the image of Jesus. And we saw that that's a lifetime process. Right? Very slow. Painful. And what makes it so painful, as much as we want that and celebrate that and go, yes, Lord, I want to be more like Jesus. I want to be more like Jesus. What is perhaps the biggest obstacle, roadblock, challenge that I face, maybe you face? Me. Because it's that sin nature that is still in us that battles. And wants to rebel against the Lord. That wants it my way, right? Have it your way. Right? And and, and it's tough. We want metamorphosis. We want to be challenged. I mean, changed. We want it. We want it so bad. And yet, oh! Is it me, Lord? And oftentimes, it's just us. And and, and our our own self-centered, selfish desires. And here's the crazy thing. That's what we experience in our own life, Right? Our own challenges, day to day, week to week, year in and year out. So we're all challenged with that daily. And then we all get together. Okay, understand that. We're daily, individually battling with our own transformation, the process, sin nature, our own selfishness at its core. And then we get a whole bunch of us together. (laughs) Called the church. See, you have to understand... The fact that we can all sort of get along and love each other here, that's a miracle. Amen? Amen? It's a miracle. Turn to the person next to you and just give them that smile. Yeah, it's a miracle. The church is a miracle to get a bunch of people with the sin nature who still are battling with everything, wanting it my way, to get us together, to worship God in spirit and truth. 
That's a miracle, guys. And that's why it's so essential to stay focused on God's plan. Because as soon as we go off and it becomes about us and me, we're done. That's the importance of understanding. What does God say? He's the, it says, I will build my church. I will build. He's the owner. He's the architect. He's the builder. My church. He's the owner. That's the starting point. Because otherwise, if we get into I, me, my, whoo, whoo, that's a tough road. That's a tough road. And, and I came across this video that, that in a fun way, if you know me, I like to kind of have fun. And, and, and sometimes I come across videos and things that are just meant to be fun, tongue in cheek. And, and I came across this video of what could happen if the church becomes about me or you. And, and if we sort of were able to try to figure this out on our own apart from God, here's what might happen. Member is passionately, wholeheartedly, and recklessly calling the shots. I don't know who sets the worship center temperature, but why does it have to be so cold? <laughs> why do you have to be so right? Heated chairs are now being installed. <laughs> this one wants a small church, but I'm afraid if it's too small, they're going to make me volunteer like crazy. And I don't stack chairs, <laughs> do I? Makes total sense. Join now and we'll let you decide the size of our church. We're millennials and we want a church that. Say no more. Any requests you have will be granted immediately. Parking <laughs> is horrible. It takes me almost six minutes to get from my car to the building. Oh. It's going to take me six seconds to tell you a valet service is on the way. My pastor's preaching, it's all over the map. I say, oh, I don't know, stick with the books of the Bible. We should be only excellent genome. Okay, next week we start John chapter 1, verse 1. And we'll even start pronouncing that word the way you said it. I'd like this sermon to be no longer than 30 minutes. How does 15 minutes sound? Hey, anybody willing to go 15 should be willing to go to 10. <laughs> you drive a hard bargain. But from now on, five minute sermons it is. Now you're talking. Me Church, where it's all about you. Right? Right? Amen. Don't count on that five minutes thing around here. Five minutes? Just getting warmed up. Right? A fun way to kind of poke fun at us, but quite frankly, not so fun. And, and, and that's, that's where we have to begin. When it comes to church, who's it about? What's it about? What's it about? And if we keep the main thing, the main thing, the main person, the main person, then he can do something that none of us can do. That's, that's the supernatural aspect of the church. Sure, there's an organizational element to it. Sure, there's the nuts and bolts. Tina came up and gave some nuts and bolts. But at its core, the church is a supernatural organism called the body of Christ that is created and built by God alone. Amen? Amen. That's what we're a part of. And that's why it's kind of weighty. It's very weighty for us 
who profess to be a part of the church, it's weighty because then we all have a responsibility. We all have a responsibility for the well-being of the church. And that responsibility comes from an understanding of what is the church, who's, who's the ultimate authority, and it begins with our relationship with him. Because Jesus says a few things that are very powerful. He says in John 14, 15, if you love me, you will obey what I command. Luke 6, 46, he says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do, do, not do what I say? Right? 1 John 5, 1 through 4 says, Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God. By loving God and carrying out his commands. This is love for God to obey his commands. I love this. And his commands are not burdensome. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. So, so here's the thing. If we're going to be the church in the way that God, the owner and builder, the architect designs it, he tells us pretty clearly in scripture, it boils down to obedience. We have to be willing to do it his way. We have to do it his way. And that's where it gets, that's where it gets really challenging really quick in our personal walk, but then even corporately as a church. And that's, that's our, even as a, as a leadership team, we're like, Lord, are, are we on track? Are, are we doing this your way? Because we're just as fallible, just as human, and we can slide off if we're not careful. And, and it's great to have checks, the ultimate check being scripture, to keep us on track, right? So it's his church. If we're going to do it his way, he says, it boils down to obedience. And the, and the root of obedience is what? Love. It's love. We want to obey because we love him. We love him. Turn to Ephesians 4. Look at Ephesians 4, verse 16. The relationship of love to the building up of the church. Ephesians 4, 16. Galatians, Ephesians 4.16 says this. From him, the whole body, talking about the church, from him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up, what? In what? Love. As each part does its work. So what is the foundation of, of, of our whole being together? Corporately, what is our foundation of our relationship with the Lord? Love. And that love manifests itself in obedience. Love manifests itself in how we interact with each other. It's what Bill said earlier in the announcements. Self-sacrificial. It's called agape love. Self-sacrificial love. I will give of myself to you for your benefit with nothing expected in return. That kind of love is a fruit of the Spirit. It's not a man thing. It's not a human thing. That is a fruit of the Spirit. And which brings us back to the church as a supernatural entity. And if we're going to be the church in the way that God calls us to be, it begins with us and our relationship with him. Understanding that 
We were placed into this church and we have responsibilities as members of the church. And our responsibilities and, and our joy and our servanthood and everything we do in the church boils out of our identity as part of the church. It's who we are first and foremost. And it's real easy to flip it. And it's real easy to, to think of church more in doing and serving and all of this versus just being in relationship with God and with each other. That's our heart around here. What, what we desire here is that people are, are actively engaged in the programs and the different things we have, opportunities to serve. We want it to be joy. We want it to be just be, be something that's an overflow out of what God and God's doing in your life and a, and a desire he's put on your heart to serve in some capacity, to use your gifts and talents. We want it just to go like this. So that you're giving freely. You're loving freely. It's an overflow of this out this way. That's, that's the heart of church. Ephesians 4.16 says the church builds itself up in love. Love. And Jesus says, okay, one of the fruits of love is obedience. They go hand in hand. They go hand in hand. The challenge for us is to keep that priority. Keep it where it needs to be, right? And finally, turn to 1 Timothy 3. I'm close with this today. 1 Timothy 3. There's a description of the church that I think helps us to, to really get a picture of its foundation and our responsibilities, okay? 1 Timothy 3.15. The Apostle Paul is writing to Timothy in a city called Ephesus. 1 Timothy 3, uh, 14 and 15, starting 14. It says this, verse 14. Although I hope to come to you soon, I am writing you these instructions so that if I am delayed, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of the truth. There's two aspects to when it says the pillar and foundation of the truth. One, we looked at it, that the church is founded upon the conviction of who Jesus is. Right? The second aspect when he says the pillar and foundation of the truth is this. The way we carry ourselves, the way we conduct our lives, says something to the world about the truth of the gospel. It's very important. The church, when it says the pillar and foundation of the truth, it's saying two things. The church is founded on the truth of Jesus. And the church, meaning you and I, now have a responsibility, a privilege to display that truth to the world in how we interact as the church and how we conduct ourselves as the church. That's pretty weighty. That you and I carry that responsibility as pillars of the truth. And that's, 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 that, again, I know it's kind of hard, but, but sometimes I, I love when we get people, we, over six years, sometimes we've had people come in who have zero church background. And they come in here, and you know what they do? They watch you. Particularly during meet and greet. When you go and you're so loving and you ask each other how you're doing and there's laughter and there's joy. I have had people... I had one person in particular, I, I, I shared this kind of funny, he goes, I don't know if I'm coming back. 
I'm like, really? Because you guys are too loving. <laughs> I, d- I didn't know what to make of that. I'm like, thank you, I think. <laughs> but, but what it was, was, was this person came in and he, they didn't know how to make sense of you actually being so joyful and loving of each other. Because whatever their background was, that, that's not normative. It's not normative. So they came in and experienced koinonia, fellowship, in the church, and they, it made them uncomfortable. And, and I took that and I received it. I was kind of bummed, and, and I was like, oh, really? Come on, hang with us, hang with us. It's all right. We genuinely love you. But they were trying to process it because it was so foreign. But I took that as, yes, okay, thank you, Lord. That's what we're supposed to be doing, just by being us, just by being us. And I thought about uh, Timothy. He was in the, in the city of Ephesus, and in Ephesus, there was a temple, the Temple of Diana. And the Temple of Diana had 127 pillars. And so I believe when Timothy saw this, he kind of thought about this. This was the Temple of Diana in Ephesus. So the Apostle Paul says, hey, church, you're the pillar and foundation of truth. You see, those pillars serve a purpose, a dual purpose. One, they got, they're, they're, they're holding the thing out, they're helping. But the pillars also serve a purpose of beautifying that place. Right? You look at that and you see all the pillars, like, yeah, that's awesome. There's a dual purpose. So if the church is going to be the pillar and foundation of truth, we stay rooted in the truth, but we also demonstrate the truth. Amen? That's the starting point. That's the starting point for us as we move forward as a church family, as a church, to go, okay, Lord, you say you will build your church. Okay. And then you say, as a believer, you put me into your church. Okay. So then we should just say, what am I to do? What is my role? Lord, how, how, how do I love you? How do I love others? How do I contribute in love? In love. And so we're going to understand the biblical view of church. And I pray and I believe that as we grasp that individually, it'll, it'll play out in our lives. In our conduct towards one another, in our serving, and whatever we end up doing ministry-wise. It'll all come out of that. But we don't want to flip it. We're not going to burn you out by all the stuff you can do and all the doingness of church. Our heart here, be the church. Focus on him. Love God. Love one another. And then the doing will follow. Amen? Let's pray together. Lord, thank you. Thank you that you start us at the fundamentals today, much like Vince Lombardi did. And instead of this is a football, you say this is the church. This is the church. And in Matthew 16, you told your disciples that it was going to be built upon the rock, the conviction that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then you tell us in Ephesians that it builds itself up in love, in love. 
And then you tell us that love manifests itself in obedience. And so, Lord, that's our desire. I do thank you for our incredible facility. Thank you for everyone here. But, Lord, beyond that, we just, we just want to be pillars of truth. We want to honor you as a church family, represent you correctly to a world that needs you. So we love you. Lord, as we prepare for communion, we just come back to, to the starting point of, of conviction, the conviction of, of who you are, Jesus, as we celebrate communion. If the root of obedience is love, we need to look no further than Jesus who demonstrated that love for us on the cross. Amen. And communion is a, is a serious thing that we're privileged to partake in here each week. And we do that as an act of worship and as an act of obedience. And, and what a privilege that is as Jesus himself gave us this ordinance and said there were two things that were really important, baptism and communion. And he wanted us to remember him because isn't it true that during the course of the week that we can wander and we can drift just a little bit? So this morning, as we think about this communion meal together as an act of worship and as an act of obedience and as an act of love. Returning that love back to Jesus who so loved us first. Prepare yourself this morning as the cups come. And when you hold the cups, if you just need to sit quietly before the Lord and seek Him wholeheartedly, the wholeheartedness of taking communion this morning is really about our heart. Our heart for Him because of His love for us. And He wants us to be worthy, He says, to examine ourselves before we take communion. You see the seriousness of it? The seriousness of communion is to examine our hearts towards the Lord. Not a salvation issue merely a love issue. If it's our conviction this morning as believers and we came here today to want to out of love and obedience honor and glorify God through partaking in communion then prepare your hearts this morning as the cups come down the road and as you hold them. When everyone has been served we'll take communion together as a, as a church family, as it should be. So let's pray. Father, we sit before you here in this place today, God, that you've provided your church, built on you, Lord Jesus, the rock, the truth. And Father, we are so grateful and blessed knowing how much you love each of us. And we thank you for that. 
And so God, now as we prepare to take this communion, Lord, we just want to love you back. Lord, we want to we want to get right with you this morning, knowing that you accept us right where we are. And we thank you for that as, as well, Lord. So thank you, Jesus. Amen. Pastors will come forward and serve you communion, and then we'll, we'll take it together when everyone is concerned. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Eat and drink in remembrance of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, having had the uh, wonderful opportunity to enjoy church together, amen? amen? Here's my encouragement as you leave, wherever wherever the Lord would take you, be the church. Be the church. Just in how you live, fruit of the Spirit, bear the fruit of the Spirit. Be a pillar. Be a pillar and foundation of truth, wherever you are, even in your own home today, your neighborhoods, wherever. Just, just go forth. Just be the church in freedom and love, and let that speak volumes. Amen. 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 Now, Lord, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face shine upon you and grant you peace until we gather once again as the church. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week.